This podcast is sponsored by Element. Element is an electrolyte drink mix perfectly formulated for anyone on a low-carb, keto, or carnivore diet. Each packet contains 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Element can help prevent and eliminate headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleepiness, and other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiency. When I'm fasting and not getting proper electrolytes, I start getting headaches and wake up with crazy foot cramps. The Element packets can replenish that through these convenient packets that I can take with me anywhere. I like the unflavored packets, which are literally just magnesium, sodium, and potassium. They also come in a variety of flavors like raspberry, orange, chocolate, or habanero lemon. They're sweetened with stevia and contain no artificial ingredients, gluten, or fillers. Right now, Element is offering all of our listeners a free sample pack with any order. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors. You can get yours at drinkelement.com slash C-A-T-G. This deal is only available through this link, so you can check out the description and go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash C-A-T-G. Thank you for supporting companies that support this podcast. Let's get back to the episode. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole nother thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder, the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air and stay happy and healthy and and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. (laughs) Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Laura Spath. And hi. Hi, Laura. Um, I know you have big news that you want to share, so I'd love for you to share and then talk a little bit about it. Um, Well, it's big for me. I don't know. I'm excited. (laughs) I have officially scheduled my skin removal surgery, my tummy tuck. Or however, you know, whatever you want to call it. Tummy tuck sounds more vain than skin removal. Sounds more like weight loss, but it's the same thing. So call it whatever you want to call it. But um, I am officially having surgery on December 7th. Wow. That's so, uh, so I will be pretty laid up over the month of December. So right after right after you leave my house. <laughs> that's crazy. So tell me a little bit about it. I, I know offline you told me that there's all this stuff about like the stomach muscles and things. But if you can kind of share a little bit about... I know in our community, especially in the wellness space, that there's this belief that everyone can fix everything through either longer fasting or just giving it time or eating clean for a long time. And I know you brought up some stuff just anatomically, how things can change if you've carried weight in a certain area for a long period. So maybe if you can just share a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've already gotten comments. I've shared a little bit about it on Instagram. I don't think I've shared the date or anything, but just my desire to have the skin removed and the number of people that message and just say like, Oh, you should try fasting. Have you heard of autophagy? Like it's a little, you know, I, it sounds nice to say like, Oh, just do a fast and your skin will eat itself. Yeah. I have a lot of freaking skin. Okay. (laughs) Like there's a lot that's there and it is one thing to say, like, give it time. It will shrink back. And yeah, it will. I'm not going to wait 20 years until it shrinks back, maybe. And I don't even think as much skin as I have, I'm not going to wait until it shrinks back all the way. Um, I'm going to get it cut off. So also, I mean, I do a lot of fasting, right? We know this. There is nobody throughout the course of this who has, you know, I eat a lot of protein. I eat it healthy. I've done the exercise thing. I've just done all the things. And so much about loose skin is, first of all, it's genetic. Like you're going to have it or you're going to not have it. That's just the way that it is. A huge part of it is like, where do you carry your weight? So I was not like a hips and butt kind of girl. I was all in my stomach. Mm. All of my weight was carried in my stomach in this huge apron belly. And like, there's just this huge hanging belly. Like there's just no shrinking that back. And it's not because I've done anything wrong on this diet. It's not because I lost it too quickly. It's not because I'm not doing enough fasting. Like, There's no amount of dry brushing that is going to shrink back the amount of fat uh, skin that I have. 
And so I think that's just the number one misconception that I people need to be aware of. Is like there's just as big as my belly was, there's just no shrinking it back. It's just not going to happen. And you know, there's that one. I, I think it's your profile picture on Instagram, but that one picture where it's like the white pictures back to back. Even in that yeah. image of you, one of your thinner pictures. If you were to remove the tank top, you would still see excess skin, correct? Yeah. And that's part of the reason why a few years ago, I I just kept getting thinner and thinner. Like I kept losing weight thinking that eventually this skin or this sagging area would go away. And I got down so thin that I ended up being like this unhealthy low weight for me. And yet I still had this like sagging skin everywhere. Uh, And I was also having like hormone issues because I was, you know, too thin and just not eating enough. And so, you know, that that's a huge part of it. We're like, no matter how thin I get, that's not going to go away. And it's now been, you know, four years since I lost the weight. It's not going anywhere. Like I do fasting literally every month. I do extended fasts a couple times a year. Like it's not going anywhere. Uh, and it's not going to also fasting and a clean diet cannot fix muscle damage and muscle, you know, can't repair my deep muscle separation that I have. And that's the other part that you and I were talking about until I started doing some consultations like this. I didn't realize I had such severe diastasis recti, which is where your ab muscles, like you see a man who has a six pack ab muscles and the abs are like they're six packs. They're like close together. Right. And this line that goes down the middle of them is this thin line. And you have the six abs on the other side. Obviously I don't have a six pack, but there is this really wide separation. So if you were to see my abs, there is a deep crevice that goes down my two sets of abs, my two stomach muscles. And that happens mostly when women have babies, they can get some separation there and it happens extreme separation, right? Or it can just be a slight separation. If you have a small separation, so a lot of exercise and certain exercises you can do will help bring that back together again you know, and and a lot of women can fix that through some type of exercise. And then not only was it the babies, like having babies, but then also just because I had this huge belly. I mean, this belly that I had was like, I was pregnant for a decade. You know what I mean? Like, it's just your body is carrying all of that weight so far forward on your body that it really pulls apart those muscles. And so I have a lot of separation in those abs. And I also have a lot of damage to my abdominal wall. So You can tell, I didn't realize this, but you can tell if you have a lot of weakness in your abdominal wall, if you are standing and you suck in your belly and then you relax as if nobody was there. Somebody do this with me. (laughs) Judy's doing it. You can't see her, but she just did it too. So stand up and you suck in like really tight and you feel that abdominal wall. And then just like completely take a deep breath out. Like, (sighs) and if you have a little bit of a sagging that happens. That's normal, right? Like normal people. Cause you suck it in and you push it out, but I can literally shove out my stomach to look like I'm pregnant anytime. Like any, even on carnivore, I can just like completely push my stomach out and make it look like I'm pregnant. It's not bloated. It's just, I'm pushing out those muscles so much because of how far I can retract and push out those muscles. It shows how much like sagging has happened in my abdominal wall. And so all of this to say, um, it makes so much sense. If I eat something that like makes me bloated, if I were to have a big salad that makes me bloated, I, my belly will instantly swell up that. And it's like, I'm seven months pregnant and I get this rock hard, huge belly. That's like protruding. And a lot of that is because there's so much separation that can happen with my abs that like all of my intestines and everything just like swell up and then separate those muscles and like push everything out. And I didn't realize like having this consultation really recently and them saying, this is why this is happening. It was this huge light bulb moment for me that like why I get this huge protruding belly from eating a lot or from eating anything that's like a keto tree or peanut butter or a salad, like stuff that makes me really bloated. It makes sense muscle from a, you know, muscle standpoint, why I'm getting protruding belly like that. Are there symptoms of with the muscle separation? um, Is there any pain that comes along with it? And I'm just asking because I have some clients that have like pelvic floor damage, or they have just hyper flexibility, and then they have pain that comes with that. Is there anything 
symptomology wise that comes with, um, I guess the muscles weakening or separating? So for me on a day-to-day basis, when I'm carnivore, there's not, I don't notice any difference other than just like, I still like feel like I have as much as I try and what, no matter how thin I get, I still can have like this protruding belly. And there's, as long as I'm carnivore, that doesn't happen. If I eat things that are non-carnivore or if I eat things that cause me to be bloated, like I said, I have lettuce, I have things that like cause my belly to expand. I do get a lot of pain from those muscles being stretched. And then even the next day when that swelling or that like bloating goes down, I get like soreness in my muscles, almost like I did this like ab workout because my muscles spent the entire day before stretched and being pulled apart. And now I'm like sore and have tenderness in my stomach um, because those muscles are now like got stretched out yesterday. So that's, I mean, if I'm staying carnivore, like that's not a problem for me, Um, but it definitely causes problems if I were to eat something else. Yeah. It sounds like most people do feel bloat with keto treats, but it sounds like it's pretty excessive for you so that you will feel a lot yeah. more pain eating a little bit of keto sweets and all the sweetener. So um, that makes sense. And that's a big reason why I've kept all that kind of like, that's why one of the reasons why I'm strict carnivore is because of digestive issues. And when I say digestive issues, a lot of that is just like the way that my belly and my digestive system responds. I get so much pain uh, in my stomach and that's even even in my intestines, like from a constipation standpoint, but I'm talking more from just like pain in my, those muscles. Like I just get soreness and tenderness there. And so that's a huge reason why even after losing weight, I stay carnivore is just because I can't, doesn't feel good to eat anything else. And even before you had children, you you had a little bit of that apron belly you're talking about. Oh, a lot of it. Yeah. Like let's be, I, I definitely like you know, even before having kids, I had a a bigger belly. I remember going to see a dermatologist for, um, I don't even remember what, like for a rash or something before I had kids. And she, I had like little bumps on my arms, which I now know is like from, I I don't get them anymore. I used to get like these little clogged pores all over the backs of my arms. I don't even know what it's called, but deficiency. Yes. But go ahead. Oh, is it? So I, that's so interesting. So I was going to see her for a different reason. And she mentioned the bumps on my arms and she was like, Oh, did those get worse? And I had just showed her my belly for whatever reason or another. Um, and it's a dermatologist for like, I was going, I forget what the reason was. I had like a rash or a mole or something. And so I was like, Oh, by the way, I have this question about those bumps on the back of my arm. And she was like, Oh, you know, it's common. They can cause from, I don't even multiple different reasons or whatever. And she was like, did you notice they got worse when you had kids. And then I was like, I never had kids. And she like literally looked at my belly and looks at me and goes, Oh, okay. Like, (laughs) are you sure? (laughs) Because I just always had this like apron sagging belly that looked like I had maybe recently or whatever. But like, I mean, part of that's just like where I, again, that's genetics. That's where you carry your weight. I always joke with my mom, like from my neck to my knees, my mom have the exact same body type. Like we have every single fat roll in the same places we have. I look like my dad, but like I got my mom's body, like, and it's like every single lump and roll and like where she carries her weight is exactly where I carry my weight and the shape that we have. Like, it's just part of, if you're going to have loose skin or not is just genetic. It's just the way that it's going to be. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. I remember reading something um, by Dr. Jason Fung and he said that obesity itself is pretty genetic. So if your family has just the genetic susceptibility to gain weight, and we'll talk about leptin resistance in a little bit, but it's just, you have the genetics and that's why you see it even in um, when I like go to the airport and I see kids with their parents, if the kids are very, very like stickly skinny, you often will see the parents look very similar. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think there is a lot of truth to that. And, and I think in terms of autophagy, I mean, just from the research, it's very, very, very difficult to measure the amount of autophagy that's occurring in a person's body. And even when I what, tell just break down what autophagy is, just in case people aren't even sure. Aware. So autophagy at its core is when there's cell cleanup. And there's so many different types of autophagy where there can be cell cleanup where old cells are eating, I mean, new cells are eating old cells, and then they're regenerating, there's um, apoptosis, there's a lot of different varieties of autophagy. But at the core of it, it's where when you don't eat, 
your body can do cell cleanup and then fix a lot of the things that are gone wrong in the body. It could be reducing inflammation. It could reduce some of the cells that are cancerous. That's where a lot of advocates, including myself, likes to do these really long extended fasts. And I mean, like five to seven days, maybe once every year, once every two years, just to promote longevity and literally to do that cleanup in the system. And so in that same vein, I think it's, I think it was uh, Megan Ramos and Dr. Jason Fung, where they said, if you fast, that can also help reduce loose skin. But I think, and I think it can to some extent, right. right? It's the idea is that like your body is not getting food and it's going to take away the parts of, it's going to like kind of eat away in a, you know, no, that's not in a happens. literal sense, but it's going to, yeah, it's going to like eat away at the cells and it's going to utilize the things that are the most damaged. And so your excess skin has no use for your body. And so your body is going to utilize that for energy and nutrients instead of other things. And I agree with that to some extent, right? You know, again, as we cannot really truly measure autophagy, I think there's truth where you can lose some skin, but in your circumstance, I don't think the amount of fasting you would have to do or the level of thinness you need to get to, to have zero fat on your um, belly area would be nearly impossible or healthy. And, And it goes back to a lot of the thoughts of a lot of the people in the eating disorder space, there's one part of their body that they hate. And so they'll say, mm. I'm just going to get thin until my knees look better. And for me, it was I, I, I'm going to be thin until my waist is thinner, or my arms are thinner. And people would have to get incredibly thin for that part of their body to be thinner or to the level that they think is okay. And that's exactly how eating disorders get worse. And and they don't look normal for when they get to the size that they're finally okay with. They look very, very anorexic. And I, I think most people that struggle with body disorder, body dysmorphia, th- that that's what it is. It's their one part of their body that they dislike. And until that body is normalized in their mind, they're going to keep losing weight. And oftentimes, like we said, genetically, maybe that's part of their body that is a little bit heavier than other parts. And that's just genetically the way you're wired. And in order for you to fit social norms or like model thin norms, you will have to be a weight that's not super normal. You know, it goes back to the hormones. As women, we are naturally, we carry a little bit more fat than men because we're supposed to have some of that excess hormones and that will help us to survive another day so that we can take care of our offspring and all of those thoughts. So I think the way that your body is just shaped and everything you described to me, I think it would be almost impossible and you would have to look anorexically thin to even possibly maybe get to a a weight or look of your belly that you'd be happy with. And it just would not be ever right. natural. And you would have to fast to an, a point that is super unhealthy. And I think you are very aware that it's, it would have to get to that point yeah. and it's just unrealistic. And I got there, right? Like I, I could have, I wanted to keep losing because I still had this belly fat and this belly, you know, like this hanging belly at a size two. And it just wasn't, I kept like thinking like, oh, if I just lose five more pounds, it'll go away. If I just keep losing weight, it'll go away and I'll do more fasting and then I'll eat less. And it just doesn't work that way. And thankfully, like, I think it, I got a little obsessive about it because I was just on this like weight loss mission. But I think because I don't have, that wasn't a part of my disorder, right? Like I, I didn't get to a point where I kept taking it too far. I kind of had a wake up call of saying like, well, this is this is a problem. Right. And it was able to like reel it back in, but it's been hard for me to then gain weight and be healthier and add more to back to that belly again. Yeah. And Dr. Arthur Agustin, when I interviewed him, so he's the founder of the um, CAC score, the Agustin score. And he talks about in our interview, he talked about how when you don't really show blatant insulin resistance or um, diabetes type two, there's a, a lot of times we'll be under the curve where we're, we don't seem as symptomatic, but he said the biggest sign will be the pinch of your belly fat. So I think that's mm. the first symptom or sign. And so if you think of it that way, if that's the first thing that shows it's maybe the belly fat around your waist, but if you've been carrying that for like 20 plus years and your skin has stretched that whole time and like right. your fat cells, and we all know that fat cells never go away, they just shrink, then maybe it is humanly impossible to remove all of that. And I'm, I'm sure some people are going to disagree and say we can autophagy our way out of things. And I just, again, it's like, show me the science that shows that because 
Um, there is right. real no real science that shows that you can me- measure autophagy. You can measure it in ways of like insulin and ketones and uh, fatty acids in your bloodstream, but it's really really difficult to measure how much you are um, your your body's in autophagy. Yeah, they always say like, look, you always hear the uh, example in this space, at least they're like, look at Holocaust victims. None of them had sagging skin and they all lost weight. Like, yeah, but guess what? They weren't as fat as I was. I'm sorry. That was not like nobody in that time in the world was as fat as most Americans are now. Okay. They were all normal body types and then lost weight in extreme conditions, obviously in extreme situations. And and it's obvious. And like, that's unhealthy in the first place. It was, they were being tortured. So let's not talk about the fact that like, if you just fast long enough, you won't have any loose skin. Okay. That's also like ridiculously unhealthy. Well, there's also, I mean, if you see like African babies that are, um, you know, you know, all those infomercials where they're like, Oh, donate. And then you can feed these impoverished countries, but you see a lot of the babies and kids with like really, um, blown out stomachs because I mean, some of the disorders, your stomach starts protruding too. So I also think there's a difference and you touched on it already, but I really want to highlight it because there is a difference between excess skin and excess adipose tissue. And so you mentioned that like, this is the genetic part of it as well. And, you know, it's the reason why somebody it's like, we did a whole entire episode on your personal fat threshold. And if you really want to dive deep into that, go listen to that episode that we talked about personal fat threshold, but like, you're going to get fat or you're not. And it's like, you, you could, this is why people who can eat terrible never actually get fat and you can be skinny and be diabetic and you can be really heavy and not be diabetic yet. Like I was 263 pounds and I was pre-diabetic when you've mentioned before, your mom was a very lot weighed a lot less than I did. And she was full blown diabetic. And it just depends on like people's bodies have the ability to add fat cells, some more than others. And you have this limit that you're going to hit. Like my body could have easily hit 300 pounds before I got full blown diabetes. I truly believe and there's just like, there is a, a, a weight that you can hit. And what's going to happen is your body is going to keep creating new fat cells. And eventually it runs out of fat cells like that already exist. And it's going to keep creating new and new and new fat cells. And at some point your body is going to stop creating new fat cells, which means you physically cannot get any fatter no matter how much you eat. And then what's going to happen is your body then stores that fat in your liver and like in your organs. And that's the visceral fat. And it's going to like starts, that's what's going to make you sick, but it's why somebody could be overweight and still be considered healthy. It's because they're storing all of that fat outside of these organs and in places that's not actually affecting their blood sugar uh, and all that stuff. So go listen to that episode if you want a longer description, but when you lose weight, those fat cells that were created will empty out and they will be deflated but they will never go away. And there's studies that say that maybe after 10 years or so, but that means that those fat cells would have to be completely empty, deflated for 10 plus years before they would ever actually go away. And so now again, I have all this extra adipose tissue, these extra fat cells on my body. And so while I do have all this skin, there's also empty deflated fat tissue that's empty and it's not actually going to go anywhere. And it's why if you've lost a lot of weight before and say that you've, you know, you've lost hundred pounds, you have a cheat day for the weekend, you could gain 10 pounds in a night or the weekend, or you could gain 20 pounds like in a couple of days. It's because what's happening is all of those empty deflated fat cells are filling up with water and they're filling up with like blood, you know, like just essentially filling up with water. If you've been strict carnivore for a time and you are keto and you go off of it and you have a bunch of carbs where your body's retaining all that water and you have a whole lot of empty fat cells to store all of that water. And it's why people who go off of keto can sometimes gain 10 pounds in a weekend because you're just storing all of that water. And so, yeah, I want those fat cells circling back to the surgery thing. Like I want all of those empty fat cells that are on my body cut off as well. And it's, so it's skin and it's like all of this empty tissue that I've worked hard to lose the fat out of, but you still have this like tissue on your body that can't go away even with fasting. Yeah. And I don't know entirely, but I don't think the fat cell store, you know, I don't think it's like fat cell A first fills up and then it moves on to fat cell B, it could be that all of them are um, filled at the same time. And if that happens, then 
the fat cells, assuming it takes 10 years for it to fully remove and assuming that it never had fat ever get stored again, well, if only a little bit at a time gets stored per fat cell, then it may never hit 10 years, if that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you'd have to be, I mean, I don't even know how that works with weight fluctuations and stuff, but like, I definitely can tell, like I eat too much cheese or I have a keto treat or something like I that's why I get so bloated and why that's another reason why, right? Like part of it's the muscle separation, but then also part of it is like, I can swell up really easily if I'm traveling and like, you know, I'm, I don't really mind eating in restaurants, but if I've been eating in restaurants like day after day after day, and I'm eating stuff that's like probably a little sketchier, one day is not going to hurt me. But after a week, I feel like I'm just like swollen and I'm holding a lot of water. And again, a lot of that's just because my, I have a lot of empty fat cells that can store all that water and just kind of like make me inflamed and puffy really easily. So here's a real talk in it all. Like if I was your mother, for example, well, why can't you just be okay with that skin? I mean, that's like the, I'm sure the question that people are wondering, um, you know, I'm sure there's some risks, but why, why now? And I, I get the fat cell part. So I think that maybe even, if you were to remove some of that visceral fat by doing the surgery, then I think my guess would be that that would reduce your risk of cardiovascular events. Well, the, the visceral how- fat, I don't think it can attack because that's... Oh, because it's in the organ. Yeah. And actually like through body scans that I've done, I don't have visceral fat because I've mm-hmm. lost that deep... Visceral fat is the deep fat that's like in between your organs. That's that super right. unhealthy fat. What's happening is the subcutaneous fat that's like the hanging fat off of your belly, the fat off of your arms and your legs. Like that's the fat that you can see that's like superficial fat. Um, but it's subcutaneous, that superficial fat actually is not unhealthy. Like that's not the problem. The problem is when you get that deeper fat in your organs. So the surgery isn't going to eliminate that deeper fat. It's really going to address like the vanity fat, <laughs> the fat that I don't want. And so to, to answer your question, like, first of all, my mom is very on board with this because she supports it. She's got my same body. So a hundred percent, she knows why oh, I want she it. Understands. Okay. The person who is not okay with this is Chris. So we're not going to get at all his emotions behind it. He's just <laughs> not thrilled. We'll just leave it at that. Um, and I think it's, you know, and that's the question, like, why am I doing this anyway? I mean, maybe it is just simply to say for vanity purposes, like I have worked really hard. And to right. work this hard and still feel uncomfortable in my body is just not a fun place to be in. Like getting dressed in the morning sometimes. And again, this is maybe a vanity thing, but like I have worked really hard to lose hundred pounds and keep it off for the last four years. And getting dressed in the morning is still just this like emotional s- struggle where I can change pant sizes in a day or two, depending on like what I've been eating because I can swell and deflate so quickly what I'm wearing. Like I have a lot of like loose skin. So you wear pants that are tight that make you feel like you have like normal person tight pants on. Well, I have all this skin that like comes up over the top of my pants. So I can't wear this pair of pants with this shirt because these pants are too tight and makes my stomach stick up the top. And then I feel like I can't wear this shirt paired with this. I have to like, it's just like something as simple. I just want to wake up. I'm not trying to be out here in a bikini. You're not going to see me in a crop top dancing on TikTok videos. Like that, that's not my goal. Okay. My goal is to wake up in the morning and put on shorts and a t-shirt and go about my day. Like, I just want to get dressed effortlessly. I want to feel good in my clothes. I want to feel like I have worked hard and I want to feel like I have the body in my head that I have worked hard enough for. And no matter how perfect I am at this, it's just not going to change. And so I just... I, I, that's it. That's exactly what it is. Is It's really just as simple as that. And I, I have, you know, this type of fat and what's happening in my middle section is so loose and it's so wiggly and it's so, you know, lumpy and it's just not cute. Like I want to feel cute in my clothes and I've worked hard for that and I deserve it. And that's kind of, I guess, where it comes down to. I don't think I've ever had to, I mean, if I gain weight, then obviously I can't wear my really tight jeans because I'll have like a muffin top or a small muffin top. But generally, I don't go through that. So now I don't weigh myself ever because I don't want to be triggered. And I don't really look in the mirror in that sense. But I, I kind of understand, but I don't understand to that level. And just you describing that right now, I can see how it could affect your day. Because I know when I gain weight, and even if it's a small amount, but all of a sudden, my pants aren't 
are too tight. And then when I sit down, I feel the excess muffin top and um, making sure that it doesn't show through my shirt, for example, and then wiggling my pants throughout the day. Like I know how uncomfortable I get. And every time I sit down and then I'm reminded of the, ooh, like my button feels really tight. That puts you in a really sour mood. And I know that. And that's part of the reason I like to wear spandex now or uh, pants that stretch. And so having to do that every day, even after being so regimented with your diet and eating clean and working on sobriety with food and all, all of that, and then still feeling like that after all of that, I can see the emotional inks that you can feel um, of all that hard work and then still having to feel, well, what can I wear? What can fit? Right. And and I can see it doing a number because, I mean, we've talked about that nocebo and placebo effect. And if if you wear pants and then it affects just how you feel in your clothes, and even if it was like one small keto treat you ate, and then it affects how your muscles are protruding, and then it will affect the rest of your day and your mindset. And even if you tell yourself, it's just skin, it's not a big deal. Right. I mean, I, I could, you know, being real as a female, I can see it, how it affects you. And it's, it's not a fun place. And I, I know it's controversial to think about plastic surgery, but if it will help you live the life that you want and after you've done the work, right? It's not like you are 300 pounds and then deciding to do surgery without right. um, putting in the effort. It's finding that balance of if you are in your skin and you have to be all a natural, but you're miserable, well, that's not really a place to live either. Yeah. And even without any fluctuations at all, I still just like, you know, the I'm I'm hoping that this helps with some fluctuations that I experience. Um, so that's going to be a side benefit, but even without any of those fluctuations, I still just like, feel like I can't just like put on a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. It's like, I can't, you know, I have to wear, uh, different jeans or feel like I have to wear like a tight tank top underneath of my, to have not everything, not like spilling up over the top of my pants. It's just a lot of loose skin that's everywhere. And and I want to wear like a normal fitted t-shirt that fits me properly and not have to feel like. I spent my whole life feeling like I was hiding in my clothes because of my weight and which was unnecessary. I'm, I understand that, but it's true. Like that's just how I felt before and wearing all these layers. And I now have gotten to a point where I'm in a healthy weight and I've worked really hard and I want to stop hiding anymore. You know, I want to just be able to feel comfortable. It's the number one thing. I mean, like I have to like, this sounds so, this is way TMI. Okay. If you've made it this far, <laughs> you're, but like I have, when I get, to get out of the shower in the mornings, I have to like lift my belly up to dry underneath of my belly with a towel. And like, it's just, I'm tired of having this like extra floppy piece of belly that's on there. So I don't want to have to like lift up every section of my stomach to like dry it off when I get out of the shower. I just want to like get dressed and go about my day. That's just more than, I mean, like who cares what, you know, anybody else thinks I'm just excited to feel comfortable in my clothes, you know? Yeah, it's just not having to think about any of those things and going about your day, right? So like, right. I can just throw on a t shirt and not worry about certain things. So uh, yeah, I mean, just from a mental health perspective, and me struggling with my own eating disorder, I, I understand fully. And I mean, if I were in your shoes, I can't say that I wouldn't do it. I mean, just being wholly honest, right? And even though I'm all about natural wellness and all that, like, I don't know if I healed from my eating disorder and I was 50 pounds heavier, let's say. And the only way that I may get that off is by either becoming super anorexically thin or having a crazy fasting regimen, which would probably ruin my hormones. Or I can opt for this surgery that most people, it's relatively safe. I don't know if I wouldn't do it. I mean, to be really honest. And I, I remember I recently just brought it up to Kevin and I said, if I wanted to like get a boob job or I said, I just brought up a few things and he's like, I support you. And I said, okay, well, that's good to know. <laughs> anyway, so it's, I, you know, I, I fully get it. And I know it's one of the reasons I wanted you to talk about this. And I know it's not the easiest stuff is because I don't think people like in my shoes, it's so easy to go just be natural, right? Just fast, just um, eat cleaner, but I've never been in your shoes. And then when you share what you just, it like hurts me, like it makes me sad right now. And I don't know that you go through that and hearing it. It's like, yeah, if it makes you happier, I don't know why I'm getting emotional for you. <laughs> no, it is. It's, <laughs> But I mean, 
if you feel better in your skin and you don't have to think about these like small things that to you are big and then it can affect you in your mood of like, right. because maybe you just had one small thing the day before and now it's triggering you in what you have to go through in your body. Yeah. I, I, I support you in that. I just think I, I think it's important to always put yourself in someone else's shoes to understand why would someone even want to do that just from an outer perspective. It seems right. such a, vanity thing to do but I think it goes so much deeper than that um and I I think it's just important to share I mean I I've had clients that have done breast augmentations and there are risks with that because you're inserting something in your body and that's not the same thing you're doing and there's risk but there are still people that are still going to get breast augmentations and it's just finding that fine balance of what is healthy for you um you know what's the right mental state to be in to do these things and I think you know, you've done all the hard work, as you said, it's not like you're just doing it as a, as a cheating effort of not wanting to put in the effort. Um, so I, I get it. I get it fully. And I'm, I'm, this is, this is my way almost of like trying really hard not to be obsessive with being thin. Like this is me embracing the fact that like I, from a health perspective, I shouldn't be thinner than I am now, but I'm also not comfortable with like where my shape is and like where my, where, you know, where my skin is and that type of thing. And so like, this is almost like that healthy balance that I'm doing of like trying to not be obsessed with being thin and going back to that place before. Cause I got thinner and it still wasn't gone and I still wasn't happy with it. And so it's like, it's a hard place to know how to handle, but you're right. There's, you know, there's other surgeries that are way riskier than this. Um, you know, I know a lot of people have had, are getting, it's like a much more common thing now for people to have their implants removed because they were having breast uh, implant right. tox illness. Right. Um, and I know a lot of other, you know, the, if you get a Brazilian butt lift, which is where they take fat out of your, like pull fat out of your stomach and they put it in your butt, like that's like extremely dangerous. Uh, it's the most dangerous plastic surgery procedure, but. Oh, I didn't I, know that. Yeah. It's the, it's, it's like really, really, really dangerous. Um, And more than anything too, I think depending on where you live, there's a lot of doctors who are not like board certified plastic. Like you can be a a family practitioner and do Brazilian butt lifts and it's just so dangerous. Um, yeah. And so, so through sharing all of this, I have talked to now hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women who have had some type of tummy tuck. And I have not gotten one person who said that they regret doing it. Um, I have had hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of people message me and say, it's the best thing I've ever done. And I've had even a couple of people, one, one person was like, I had an infection. I had all these complications. It was totally crazy, but I absolutely would do it again. Like not one person has said, I regret it. They've all said, yeah, it was really painful or it was fine. You know, like different varieties of the pain, whatever, but like they all have been very, very happy with it, you know? I mean, and let's be honest, right? So uh, like one of the other reasons I wanted to bring this up is we both know people in our space that have done these things and they have decided not to share about it, right? Like I I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Uh. I I think, you know, the fact that you're being open and honest before you even do it and sharing, I mean, I, I think this is the real talk. This is the real life. And- And that's their business too. I totally get that. But I also think that like, you know, it's, first of all, I overshare. It's just what I do in general. Like we know this, (laughs) I made a video about my poop. Like it's just what, it's just how we go. I overshare, but also, you know, I, I have always been very open about my skin. And I think sometimes people don't want, they, they use the, I don't want to lose weight because I might have loose skin as I think it's just an excuse to not get started in the first place. Cause they're scared of committing to the weight loss or, or committing to any of this in the first place. But also like, even if I, even if I couldn't get it removed, like say I couldn't, you know, it wasn't an option for me financially, which to be honest, it hasn't been up until now. Um, which is why I'm doing it now and not sooner is because I couldn't afford it before now. And, um, and I've been saving for it, but you know, it's, what was I going to say? I forget my point of this. The point is, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a personal decision. I, I want to share because it's, I have a very common body. Like it's just, I think sometimes the message out there is like it, your skin will go away. If you're carnivore, if you're perfect enough, like you won't have loose skin, just be perfect and you'll be fine. Like, that's just not true. Like, I promise you, 
I have done the fasting. I have done the things. I'm not going to wait 20 years to find out if it will just shrink more on its own. Like I'm not going to, I am, you know, 30. First of all, actually on our last podcast, I think I said I was 38, like five times. I'm 37. Okay. Let's correct that. Let's anyway, it happens. I mean, I'm I 37. I want to enjoy my body the way that it is now. And it's also healthier for me to do this now than it is later. You know, I met with my plastic surgeon He's talking about like skin elasticity. A lot of people too, who, you know, I, I didn't have weight loss surgery. And so sometimes when you do have weight loss surgery, depending on how you eat afterwards. So I know a lot of people go carnivore after weight loss surgery, and that can keep them much, much, much healthier. Okay. But the plastic surgeons are used to seeing people who have weight loss surgery and then don't get adequate protein and fat after they have surgery. And so I'm not making judgments on carnivores or even weight loss surgery in general. What I'm saying is, it is common to be malnourished when you are ready for a, a, a tummy tuck of some kind. Those plastic surgeons are seeing a lot of women and men who are malnourished and don't have great skin elasticity. They don't have great muscle health. And so even though I have like some muscle separation and some muscle sagging in, you know, going on, I still have like muscle tone. I still have great skin elasticity. I'm in a very healthy place as far as like my you know, blood pressure and all of my, you know, blood markers. And so like, I am a perfect candidate. I'm setting myself up perfectly to have this surgery and like recover well and and do all the things. And so I'm like, I'm just in a really healthy place for it. I think that was kind of my point is um, it doesn't matter how I'm just, I think it doesn't matter how perfect I am. I, I, I will always need this surgery. Now, whether or not I get it is kind of up to me and like what I want to do. And obviously I've chosen to do it, but you don't, it's just not the true for everybody that you, you will have no loose skin or that you can grow your boobs and have your skin shrink. A long time ago, I told my husband that after having kids and nursing and I nursed Aiden for five years that I would get breast implants. Like I, I thought a long time ago in my twenties, I always thought that. And obviously now being in the wellness space, I would never get it. And but it's different because the breast implants, there's a black box warning. And for those right. that don't know, a black box warning is when any type of medication, there's a severe risk of possible death and other really adverse things that can happen. And so for any medication, they have classes and types. And and so for severe medications with really adverse risk, there's a black box warning. And for breast implants, there's a black box warning. Um, I don't think, right? I don't think that tummy tucks have a black box warning. I don't no. know for sure. But I the mean, biggest I risk, yourself. yeah, I, there's really the risk for the, the breast implants is like leaking and then also the illness and your body's kind of attacking this foreign object. And there's just so many right. it's an kind of risks that too. can come along with that. Um, for a tummy tuck, it's really like, you know, infection and mm. blood clots, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I guess for those, I mean, the fact that you've been carnivore for so long and have reduced inflammation. And we just saw your markers not too long ago. I mean, you really are in the best place. And even mentally, I think you're in the best place. It's not like you're like binging and then going back right. to carnivore and then binging. And that's why now you just want to get this done. I mean, it's, it's like the perfect situation. So um, yeah, I just, I mean, I really just wanted you to share um, because one, I don't know much about it. And then two, it's just, you know, it's, it's fascinating to hear people's journeys. And I think on social media or in real life, it's so quick and easy to judge others. And I think whenever you hear someone's story, there's so much truth in it. And I was just telling Kevin recently that I think for any marital counselor you go to, um, both people will have legitimate stories, right? So, and the truth <clears throat> is always probably somewhere in the middle. And, you know, whether people agree with your decision or not, I think it really stems down to if you hear your story. I mean, you, you can't help but understand and be empathetic towards why you're getting it done. And I, I just didn't know even to that extent being your friend. Yeah. And you, I think you can have maybe not weigh as much as I did, or you can carry your weight in a different place and you can lose a lot of weight and you can do things right. And maybe you won't have loose skin. Like it really just, I just don't want people who end up with like a bunch of extra skin or they feel like they still have fat on them and they have lost all this weight and they're in a healthy place. Like you're not doing anything wrong because all of your skin hasn't reabsorbed. And I don't want people right. to like push fasting to an extreme thinking that their skin's going to reabsorb magically or, or they have to just learn to live with it. And maybe, 
maybe it's not an option for you because of other reasons, like financially, or you don't want to take the risk and you can learn to live with it. Maybe you can be happy with it. I mean, I can't and I'm not, I don't have to, so I'm not going to. Um, It's just, you know, it is, I think even I've been so much more emotional about it. I think because I, I have a date that's on the calendar now and I'm looking forward to it, but like, even just like Sunday, getting ready for church, like trying to get dressed in the morning. It's like such this, I actually like Chris came in to check. I mean, I was like bawling. He was like, what is wrong with you? Like, are you okay? And I was like, I just can't, like, if I thought I had to, if for some reason, like this got canceled or I thought I had to deal with this forever again, like, it's just so sometimes like emotionally frustrating and like, it's just emotionally exhausting sometimes to get dressed. Like, and I think I'm realizing even more and more now that I, that there is an end date to it. Right. Which is still like overwhelming for me to even think about, but that they're now knowing that there's this date on it. Like it's even more emotionally exhausting for me to have to put up with this and like, just to get ready and get dressed. And, you know, I, I just, I can't even tell you, I'm just, we'll have to check back in and see, but I just want to cry thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for you. I, my background is Korean and I think most Asians are big fans of plastic surgery. If you go to, <laughs> I mean, like, let's be honest. I think all my friends back home, they do some type of Botox or fillers, or I don't know what they do, but, but Asians are naturally on the thinner side. So they don't do, or maybe they do. And I just don't know, but I don't think, I don't think they do a lot of the fat losing stuff, but they do a lot of the other like cutting of their faces and other things. So, and if you go to Asian countries, I mean, literally there's plastic surgery advertisements everywhere and it's so normal kids get plastic surgery at age 12 and 13 and they Whoa. do all these things and you'll see pictures. There was this one meme that was going around a long time ago where the mom was so pretty and then they had kids and the kids were so <laughs> <laughs> And then it's like, you should check before you get married. I don't know. It was, it was just a really, really crude joke amongst the Asian women, but you know, it's just, it's very prevalent and um, not and not saying that that so therefore it should be normal. I'm just saying that I, I think there's this fine balance with surgery where some people have this deep seated lack. And so then they constantly do it and then they get addicted. And then they, yeah. you know, you see the, like the celebrities that you can't even recognize their face anymore. And I think there's a deep seated root cause thing where maybe they thought if I just looked a certain way, then I would be loved and accepted like the things we talked about in our eating disorder podcast. But if you're doing it because of the reasons you said, or it's just finally this like last home stretch thing. And as long as your mind is in the right place, I think that's my whole core thing is right. If you're doing it for the right reasons and for your own peace of mind, then it's okay. Cause you, you know, the risks, you know, the benefits and you've decided that the benefits way outweigh the risks. And, and so then I support you for that. But if people are doing I don't know, like cutting up their faces because they're scared of aging or, or they're, they just can't stick to a diet. And so therefore they're going to do like a gastric bypass or all of, all of those other things. Then maybe, maybe there's still some more steps to be done or had um, before they even think about these surgeries. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm definitely taking this one step at a time. You know, when you go do the consult, they kind of tell you like all the different things that they could do as well and all the different types of surgeries. He did point out to me like on my back, like he's like, oh, we could do a back bra line lift. Do you know what that is? No. Essentially, it's like where the where your bra strap is, they cut across there. And he's like, see all this? Like, I thought I just had like back fat. And he's like, no, no, this is all skin. And he's like, think about how much heavier you were. And he like lifted up my back fat, which I thought was fat. And he's like, no, this is, this is extra skin. He's like, I could pull like six inches of skin out of here and it would all be flat. And he was like, and do you see when I pull this up, like this makes your waist. And I was just like, this is all. And then also like, I've had people ask if I'm going to get my arms done. Cause I have a bunch of, like, I got the bingo wing. Um, I got the excess skin underneath my arms. And like, I'm, this is my balance of trying to not like, I'm not worried about all of these things. Like I just want to address like kind of the thing that's where I have the most skin, like I'm not trying to be a model or anything. I just want to like wear my normal mom clothes, you know? And like, so, uh, I think that's kind of the balance I'm trying to take right now of just kind of addressing like the thing that affects me the most. Um, obviously I think Chris is a little afraid that I'm going to like, then want everything else and like keep going back and back, but I'm hoping that this is like it. And then I can just 
I'll learn to live with whatever the lump on my back is or my jiggly arms and all the other things. And just, we'll see though. I don't know. Yeah. And, and you, and you, <laughs> I mean, and you have a community like me and Chris and yeah. whoever else that can support you and give you a sanity check. Right. So if you're going to extreme, I definitely will start saying things, but you know, I, I don't see you, I think you have a good head on your shoulders and um, I don't see you doing that and it costs so much money and you'll be yeah. in pain for so long. So yeah. I don't know if it's worth all of that. Yeah. To be honest, like I just never thought this would be an option for me in my life because of cost purposes. And it just didn't, you know, I just didn't think that that was ever going to be an option. And so, um, I think that's why I'm kind of like surprised myself that we're, that we're making this happen. Well, stay tuned. I'm like definitely curious. And I I mean, I have no idea what all that entails. So I'm curious to hear like your recovery and what all happened. So yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. I will, uh, keep you posted. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, once I'm feeling good enough to talk again afterwards, then we'll do uh, a follow we'll do up. A surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'll do a follow up talking about how it all went. Yeah. And we were supposed to talk about leptin, but I think we'll save it for another conversation. I think we're going to be doing okay. this often, but I know. All right, guys. Yeah. Sounds good. Hopefully thanks for listening guys. And we'll uh, stick around. We'll talk about, I think we want to talk about leptin resistance. It's like the new time. I don't even know anything about it. I'd never heard of it until recently. And now it's the new buzzword. So we'll talk about it next time. Yeah, we'll, we'll, and I think we got a few questions in too. So maybe we'll answer and address some questions, if not in that podcast episode, but um, in another one, but yeah. Perfect. Thanks guys. Cool. Bye guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>